Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. A year ago, Orleans Parish District Attorney, Assistant District Attorney Emily Ma refused 15 weapons cases on Mardi Gras Day, uh, including a number of charges against an individual that had a modified machine gun. Here to talk to us about this issue and others is Raphael Goyeneci, President of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Rafi, welcome to the show. Hey, no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, came across my desk last week, uh, an update on the uh, the Mardi Gras Day uh, purge of of Emily Ma last year, mm-hmm. so uh, let's just update your your uh, audience that the day after Mardi Gras, I came into work and I got a phone call immediately uh, informing me that the whoever the prosecutor was a magistrate on on. Mardi Gras Day had refused charges, and when the person told me this, quite frankly, I didn't believe it, because magistrate is a a bail setting court. It is not to uh, screen cases or refuse cases because the final police report isn't even available to the prosecutor. So, quite frankly, I didn't really believe uh, what was told to me, but. I checked it out, and sure enough, it was true. Uh, it, normally, magistrate is staffed by new hires, green ADAs that are assigned there to kind of learn and expose themselves uh, to the uh, the criminal justice system and the responsibilities of the DA's office in advocating for bail at first appearances. So there was a crackdown during Mardi Gras season by the New Orleans Police Department uh, on carrying concealed weapons. Before Mardi Gras season, the superintendent and the DA and, 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 and uh, made, made uh, press releases and held a press conference about the fact that it's a violation of state law to carry a concealed weapon at a parade along a parade route and they warned the public that the police department was going to be vigilant looking for people carrying concealed weapons uh, without permits and uh, there was going to be strict enforcement so during february of last year uh, there were 192 gun arrests and there's you just alluded to, there were 15 on Mardi Gras Day. And in magistrate court, rather than a new hire or uh, a recently hired ADA, it was staffed by Emily Ma, who's the head of the Civil Rights Division, one of the highest 
uh, assistant district attorneys in the district attorney's office, and she was charged with uh, appearing in magistrate court and and uh, arguing bail. Well, she didn't argue bail. She just flat out refused the charges without the benefit of police report in 15 cases, the most serious of which involves uh, an individual by the name of Keaton uh, Angani, who was from Tennessee. So he was in town from Tennessee, 24-year-old, and the police observed him on Bourbon Street at 2 a.m. on Mardi Gras morning, uh, carrying what appeared to be a concealed weapon. They approached him and asked him if he was carrying a weapon, and he said yes. They asked him if he had a permit for it, and he said no. Uh, he said he just found the gun on the street uh, a block before the police stopped him and picked it up. And they arrested him for that. When they got to the station, they realized that that, that handgun had been converted to a machine gun. And uh, the, the Glock that he had had an auto sear device installed on it, making it a, a, a fully automatic machine gun. So Emily Ma, during her magistrate appearance, we requested copies of the magistrate transcripts uh, from for all 15 of those offenders. With respect to Mangani, uh, Emily Ma was uh, memorialized stating in open court when questioning Mr. Mangani that uh, machine gun is a pretty serious weapon. I just want to make sure that Mr. Mangani is from Tennessee. Is that correct? The defendant's response was, yes, ma'am. Her question next was, is he planning to go back to Tennessee? And his attorney said yes. So Ms. Ma's next response was, so as long as you're okay going back without your machine gun, so she knows it's a machine gun, <laughs> then we'll refuse the charges. And Mr. Mangani's statement was, yes, ma'am, I appreciate you. Yeah, well, I, I guess he, does. he did, <laughs> and, and, but I guess he doesn't appreciate what the Crime Commission did, nor the federal uh, agency that uh, uh, adopted the case, the, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District, and he was prosecuted. He pled guilty, and last week he was sentenced to 20 months consecutive to whatever the outcome of the pending charges were in Tennessee, because when he was arrested in New Orleans for carrying the machine gun, he had open drugs and weapons charges in Tennessee. So that information was available to Ms. Ma, just as the information that he had a machine gun, which as one of the senior attorneys in that office, you would expect that she would know that that is no longer a misdemeanor, that's a felony. And to refuse those charges without a police report is something that I've never heard of uh, before. And um, apparently the only discipline that was uh, rendered to Ms. Ma was that she was banned from appearing in magistrate court anymore. 
So she's still employed there. Mr. Mangani is going to do 20 months in a federal penitentiary consecutively uh, should he be convicted or plead guilty to any of the felony charges that were pending at the time of his arrest in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But, you know, this is, uh, you know, Mardi Gras season again. And this is a case that, uh, you know, we, we talked about over a year ago, and we don't want to see history repeat itself uh, again. Well, we appreciate the... Well, court, but it's ridiculous that the punishment is that we're not going to allow her to do extra work like everyone else in the office has to do. Right. <laughs> right. Effectively, right. that's the punishment. Well, so last week we talked about Harry Connick's passing. And uh, I was hired by Harry Connick. And I worked there for five years. And. Were Harry Connick the DA, if I or anybody else uh, did what Emily Ma did on Mardi Gras Day last year, she would have been unemployed 30 seconds after he found out about it. So uh, she's still there. She's still in charge of the Civil Rights Division, and she uses some of the judgment uh, with respect to some of the decisions she's making on the civil rights cases that she's reviewing that she exhibited in magistrate court on Mardi Gras Day last year, uh, I'm worried. So uh, hopefully uh, this puts this particular case together, uh, puts it to bed, uh, and it shows how the system is supposed to operate. Now, you know, fast forward a year, and... Many of the police department's policies uh, with respect to proactive policing were, were tabled during COVID. And what we saw last year was the reemergence of proactive policing strategies by the New Orleans Police Department, particularly in the French Quarter and along uh, the parade routes. Uh, where police were no longer waiting for someone to dial 911. They were using their, their, their training and, and skill sets to look for the outlines of people carrying concealed weapons under their clothing. And if they detected that, they would go up and approach those, uh, those uh, individuals and ask them if they were carrying a weapon, ask them if they had a permit to carry the weapon. And if the answer was no, that is probable cause to effectuate an arrest for a misdemeanor. And during the course and scope of that investigation, they may find out that the individual that was initially arrested for a misdemeanor is in fact a felony offender because the person carrying a concealed weapon could be a convicted felon, could be someone possessing a fully automatic firearm, could be someone possessing uh, a weapon that was stolen. And those weapons are tested, and some of them uh, may be linked to other felony crimes of violence. So we've been talking about the fact that violent crime was reduced last year, in large part because I believe the police department didn't wait for people to dial 911. They began to engage in more active, uh, proactive policing policies like firearms enforcement. 
and for Emily Ma to do what she did on Mardi Gras Day, uh, not only I think is a violation of the the district attorney's policies with respect to 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 uh, screening cases and dismissing cases or refusing charges in magistrate before a police report. It also undermines the efforts of the police department uh, that were attempting to protect and serve the people of this city and the visitors of this city by firearms enforcement. And it was uh, a really an affront to the hard work of the men and women of the New Orleans Police Department and I think exhibited contempt to the people of the city of New Orleans that expect the laws to be enforced, particularly by assistant district attorneys. Well, I'm glad that Mr. Keaton Magave's case was ultimately adjudicated in the way that it was, but he was only one of 15 potential defendants. What happened to the other 14? In fact, as one text person texted me and reminded that Malik Neighbors was one of those individuals who was a wide receiver for the LSU football team. Right. So um, Malik Neighbors' case was never uh, rescreened or accepted. In, in some instances, you may allow a misdemeanor offender to uh, go into a diversion program. But again, not only did, did Emily Mon not face any discipline, the district attorney's office uh, didn't really go back and correct some of the uh, decisions that were made or the choices that were made by Emily Ma during magistrate court uh, last year. So many of those people got a free pass. There were a few that uh, they did charge, and uh, I think they, they all uh, were resolved as misdemeanor cases. So this was the most serious of the lot, but now you're seeing that the misdemeanor firearms cases are being handled by the Morris Bart law firm. They are screening those cases and allowing those uh, allowing prosecutors to focus on the felony firearms cases. They're screening the cases if they're accepted. The case goes to court and the district attorney's office is responsible for prosecuting them. And, and this year, the, you know, a lot of folks in the criminal justice system, as well as other elected officials, to include the mayor and others, are on a public relations campaign uh, requesting and advocating that people leave their guns at home when they go to the parade route, right? Well, right, right. And, um, you know, hopefully we won't see you know, Emily Ma making another appearance in magistrate court, uh, essentially uh, giving everybody that appears there a get-out-of-jail-free card, like, as she did last Mardi Gras. we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Rafael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Rafi, one of the issues that I hope that they address in this uh, crime special session that's coming up uh, here in the third week of February is relative to juvenile crime, uh, juvenile records, the ability for juvenile authorities to talk about cases, especially in the case of escapes. Here we are again with another juvenile escape, and all of the authorities are handcuffed by existing juvenile law, uh, so they claim. I'm not necessarily sure about that. I think the public safety and public interest trumps all of, the, of those issues, but be that as it may, if I give them all the benefit of the doubt, they're not willing to talk about these individuals, and I think that needs to change. Your thoughts? Oh, I agree. So Governor Landry appointed uh, several councils to, during his transition to review certain things. I was asked to serve on the State uh, Crime and Public Safety Council. And one of the areas that was uh, focused on by the, the, uh, the group that, that I was a member of was juvenile justice reform. So what you're alluding to is the Children's Code. So when the Children's Code that's in place right now was enacted, it was a totally different time where juvenile offenders at that time were more likely to be involved in nonviolent, low-level crimes. And as such, they didn't want to stigmatize uh, the uh, youthful juvenile offenders with inconsequential low-level misdemeanor or low-level felony property uh, convictions that would potentially follow them around the rest of their lives. So they confected certain rules and policies, uh, making it uh, and shielding the public from having information about the juvenile offenders. But that was then and this is now. And what we're seeing is that juvenile offenders are committing crimes uh, of, you know, now, today, that were unheard of when the Children's Code was enacted uh, decades ago. So there is, I think, an agreement uh, with many of the criminal justice practitioners that were members of this, this uh, council that was appointed to make some recommendations to the governor that the uh, juvenile code needs to be uh, examined and revised to A, 
uh, allow for more transparency and accountability, taking into consideration the severity of the, the offenses that you're seeing juvenile offenders perpetrate now. Uh, and I think that, you know, one of the examples uh, that just played out in the last week or so was a case involving Kai Jefferson, who was convicted and sentenced to five years in the Office of Juvenile Justice for a series of automobile burglaries last March, in March of last year. Now, when you get five years for automobile burglaries, that to me suggests that that was not his first conviction. Now, I don't know because that is, you know, he's a juvenile. He was 16 years old at the time. And uh, as such, property crime information is not available to the public. But for a judge to sentence a juvenile offender to five years in OJJ when there's a shortage of beds for a property offense is unheard of. And I believe that that wasn't his first juvenile offense conviction. I suspect that it wasn't his second. I suspect that there were at least uh, two other offenses. Because what I've seen historically is that juvenile offenders for nonviolent offenses get probation at least the first two times. So for him to get five years, essentially that's juvenile life as a 16-year-old for a series of automobiles. And we don't know if he was burglarizing those cars armed with a firearm. So... The fact that a judge came to the conclusion that he could not or the judge would not probate him, they uh, assigned him and remanded him to the Office of Juvenile Justice. Apparently, he was in a halfway house from the very beginning of his sentence, and he literally just walked away. And... OJJ, the Office of Juvenile Justice, issued a warrant for his arrest in March of last year. But what we don't know is what steps, if any, they took to try and apprehend him. Because the next time we heard of Kai Jefferson was in December of last year when he allegedly uh, threatened a woman with a firearm and the New Orleans Police Department investigated it and issued three felony warrants for his arrest for aggravated assault with a firearm. So that's a crime of violence. And under the Children's Code, because it's a crime of violence, the New Orleans Police Department issued a press release and included his picture uh, asking the public to assist them in locating the whereabouts of Kai Jefferson. So what we found out was that last week, the U.S. Marshals Service uh, locally developed information that Kai Jefferson was in Georgia, eluding the authorities in Louisiana, they notified their counterparts in the U.S. Marshal Service in Georgia. They effected his arrest last week on the felony uh, uh, weapons offense warrants issued by the New Orleans Police Department. 
and now the district attorney's office will be responsible for deciding whether to extradite him back to Louisiana, and he also has an outstanding warrant for escape from the Office of Juvenile Justice. But So this type of uh, escape is just another glaring example of the need for further reforms with respect to the uh, juvenile justice uh, system with respect to offenders like Kai Jefferson because, quote, unquote, he was a property offender. But what we don't know is if the offense was plea bargained down from a automobile burglary from something more serious than that. We don't know if at the time of those automobile burglaries that he had a firearm. And uh, I think that what needs to happen and what the, the crime panel uh, that was serving on the governor's transition team came to the conclusion that the Office of Juvenile Justice needs to implement a better classification system so that offenders like Kai Jefferson that maybe pose a risk to the public and to other uh, juveniles are properly uh, assessed and are uh, classified as as individuals that don't necessarily, if their if their criminal history suggested, mean that they could be in a halfway house and allowed to just walk away from uh, detention. So. There's going to be, I think, some new legislation that will be introduced both in the special session and certainly in the regular session that is going to, I think, uh, change and shake some things up with respect to the way particularly uh, violent juvenile offenders are, are treated by the state of Louisiana. Well, it's going to also take some money. Uh, and there's one thing that I know for sure, lax enforcement when it comes to petty criminality has led to big time criminality. And the sooner right. that we come to that realization, the better off we're going to be. We cannot pass legislation uh, without spending money to ensure that probation is fully funded, fully staffed, follow up care, continuum of services. They're all impaired. Every single part of this is impaired. And then we are prevented from knowing anything about what's happening. I don't even know how we vote for a juvenile judge, to be quite honest with you, because we can't ascertain what they do, if they're doing it appropriately, if they're showing up for work, how they're handling this stuff. We know nothing, and we continue to know nothing, and they don't want us to know anything. And that's why I think we ought to blow this wide open. We can always revisit it if we figured out that it's worked to the detriment of the system. We can go back and fine-tune it. But I think it's time for shock and awe. Open up all juvenile records, all of it, in the criminal perspective, all of it. And, you know, therefore, everybody knows what's going on, what people get. Because if I have young children that are hanging out with these kids that are being arrested and for this and that, and no one can know, and they're not locking them up. They're not putting them on ankle monitors. They're not doing anything, and they're right back in your neighborhood, and they're hanging out with your kids again. If I was a parent of a young teenager, I would want to know because I'm sure you had the same experience that I did. 
my parents would pull me in every now and again, and they'd say, you're not hanging out with Jimmy. Jimmy's nothing but a problem. And if I see you with Jimmy, you're going to have an issue. And typically their intuition was right. Uh, but we, we're a different society today. And, and they more so relying on the system to let us know about Jimmy. And, you know, if I was a parent, I would be screaming at the top of my lungs that this system needs to be opened up. Your thoughts? All right. So the teenagers that are burglarizing automobiles, they're not breaking into cars, you know, looking for cell phones or to get the radio out of the car. They're looking for guns. And in many instances, the people that are breaking into those cars are armed with guns in case the property owners come out and confront them. We know that because many of the private cameras, surveillance cameras on people's homes and businesses uh, capture the, the footage of the offenders breaking into cars armed with firearms, in some instances, assault rifles. So it's not uncommon for a car to pull up Two people pop out of the car, both of them armed. One will serve as a lookout uh, in one direction. The driver of the car is uh, moving the car along as they're opening up uh, cars looking for for uh, weapons or, or anything that they can get a value out of those cars. And if the police come or if the property owner goes out and confront them, there is, because of the fact that those offenders are armed, there's, you know, a propensity that a property offense could evolve into a crime of violence in a, in, in a split second. So you can't necessarily just uh, say that because it's an automobile theft or an automobile burglary that these are nonviolent offenders because we know otherwise. You know, harken back a couple of weeks ago to the shooting in the Central Business District in the afternoon where a stolen truck uh, opened fire on some people on the streets, and two of the people that were arrested were juvenile offenders that opened fire in the central business district at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and wounded two people. And, and fortunately, and, and one of those weapons was a fully automatic assault rifle that, that uh, was used in those shootings. And we know that because the police arrested all three of the suspects involved in that, and they recovered some of the weapons that uh, in, in the house that they were arrested in that matched the ballistics of the shell casings at the shooting site in the central business district. So we're seeing juvenile offenders that are looking for opportunities, and while it may be a, a nonviolent property offense that they get arrested for, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all that they're about, nonviolent property offenses. The fact that Kai Jefferson got five years suggests that even the judge recognized that probation was not appropriate, and that's usually indicative of prior uh, juvenile felony convictions. You know, what's interesting, Rafi, is that um, as, you, if, as I think back, uh, you've been coming on this show for years and we've been talking about any number of, um, of issues. It's always, uh, uh, you know, kind of um, 
a lackadaisical attitude to the exercise of discretion that these officials have, right? I mean, over and over, we just talked about Emily Mogg, you know, these these, uh, juvenile um, probation folks or whoever were moving this inmate, they didn't have him handcuffed, they didn't have leg shackles, they, they give them the ability to exercise all this discretion, and it's the public that suffers from uh, their their lack of caring. I don't don't even know what to call it when they exercise discretion. Right, right. So with respect to Kai Jefferson, the woman that called the police, dialed 911, and um, the police responded to, to the scene of that crime, uh, the police, in issuing that warrant, believe that they had probable cause, not for one felony uh, aggravated assault case with a firearm, but actually three counts. So that victim felt that their their safety and their life was being threatened by that 16-year-old wielding a gun. And the fact that he left the state uh, is an indication that this isn't you know, the misguided youth, maybe, uh, that the Children's Code was written to address uh, back, you know, decades ago when the code was actually passed into law in Louisiana. And I think that uh, the time is now uh, right to review what was, was done years ago and maybe consider making some changes that will uh, better protect and serve the law-abiding citizens of this state, offer some transparency, and ultimately, by transparency, it will allow the public and uh, the, the media to be able to talk about the strengths but also the weaknesses of the system because, as you pointed out, we don't know what we don't know about the juvenile justice system because of the the secrecy that shrouds all of those those uh, proceedings and if it's not working we need to know about it so that we can correct it and make it work the way that's intended to 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 work absolutely we'll be right back we're visiting with rafael goyanechi president of the metropolitan crime commission stay with us folks we'll be right back i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Rafael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan uh, Crime Commission. Um, Rafi, where do we find ourselves uh, from a crime stat uh, perspective? So the numbers uh, so far uh, this year are, are very positive. Homicides are down 36 percent uh, as of the end of January versus the same period of time in 23. Uh, shootings are down 57 percent. Carjackings down 29 percent. Armed robberies down 41 percent. Now, some of that is attributable to the work done by the police department, but I also think that Mother Nature has played a role in some of those reductions as well because, you know, as everyone is aware, uh, we had a couple of cold blasts that uh, people really weren't out and about, followed by some uh, torrential rains over the last couple of weeks. So bad weather influences crime prep patterns, particularly crimes of violence. If people aren't out and about, uh, it makes it harder for homicide, shootings, carjackings, and armed robberies to occur. So uh, nobody really has a crystal ball and can say 100% what, what the reasons are, but I, I know, and, and I know you know, as, as uh, uh, you know, your years as the sheriff, that uh, weather does play a role in some of the uh, crime trends out there. And I'll take it any way we can get it. It's good news across the board. Uh, I don't want to downplay the good work done by the police department, uh, but I also uh, recognize that there are other factors, including the weather that may influence some of the, the dramatic decreases that we've seen so far this year. There's... Um the mayor's office the other day came out and said that they were going to start uh, handling these vendors that have no permits in the French Quarter, both on Royal Street and Bourbon Street in particular. Uh, I said then, and I will continue to say that will do nothing but help the NOPD and their enforcement efforts downtown. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. So the police can't solve this by themselves. So many of the problems that are reflected in crime have their roots in some of the uh, violations involving public, public uh, health, uh, no permits uh, to, to be vendors, and, and uh, just a whole variety of issues in and around uh, the French Quarter and the Central Business District. So doing that type of enforcement in the city using uh, the, the laws that are on the books to hold people accountable to make them comply with the law will also reduce the circumstances that result in the police having to respond to a call for service. So uh, I, I think that that is a factor that is something that's long overdue, that the city is now stepping up and doing more enforcement with the assistance of some of their, their state counterparts in, in, in helping uh, to uh, 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 sanction some of the people that are violating city and state law. We've run out of time. That hour has flown by, as always. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, have a great Mardi Gras. You too. Take care. Bye. 
That was Rafael Goinecci, folks, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. When we come back after the top of the news break, we'll visit with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll cover a number of issues. Is Elon Musk overpaid? Well, Delaware court says yes. We'll talk about COVID funding strains on state budgets. How did Louisiana fare? And big job numbers mean less chance of a Fed rate cut or not. And how did Louisiana fare? We'll talk about that and other issues when we return with Guy Williams. Stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 